What's up, guys, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Binge Mode made its grand return earlier this month, and Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion are deep diving on the Star Wars franchise, covering every movie, the newly released Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian, and fan favorite characters. You can check out new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And up on the site, we have more Mandalorian coverage written by Micah Peters, Allison Herman, and Ben Lindbergh, as well as staff-wide surveys throughout the season. You can check it all out on TheRinger.com. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Trey Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. It's a surreal WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening. You're listening to this. You're listening to. You are listening to. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to the Masked Man Show. 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 Welcome to the Masked Man Show, a very, very, very special post-Survivor Series mailbag episode. My heel producer, Jim, is on the mask line, live from his bed in California. Yeah, baby. No, I came to the studio. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a big deal, because it's early for those yeah. listening to this. Um, I'm sure you want to know the inner workings of the show, and <laughs> this inner working is that it's early in the morning in Los Angeles. Uh, it's Tuesday. We just got through with a really hell of a good Raw, actually. Um, we were going to record yesterday, and then at the last minute, I was like, you know what? Let's see what they do on Raw. And it was really, I mean, Survivor Series, NXT TakeOver. Um, what else? The the Stone Cold Steve Austin Undertaker interview. All of these things are probably more significant than what happened on Raw. However, um, it's uh, it, it was it, Raw was was interesting. They're actually feels like they're trying. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll talk more about that if some you know I'm sure in the Q and A portion. So, Jim, thank you for uh, being a wrestling fan this week, and uh, let's get into these questions. My pleasure. All right, first question from Drip Bayless. Nice, nice name. Mm-hmm. He asks, so will call ups be? a thing anymore since NXT has shown they're a real third brand. A lot of people have asked this question, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the the official word is no, but I don't think there's any official word that, that, uh, is, is really official, um, in the grand scheme of things. They're all, they've already said that, I think Triple H has said that they're not going to do, have the NXT crew in monthly, in the monthly pay-per-views. Um, but that just seems like, I don't know. I think that the more, I think the interesting thing is going to be how much crossover they have. Um, you know, if they, if they, because I mean, I think Survivor Series was in a lot of ways a huge success. And I don't think anybody's like, like begging for specific rematches necessarily. But like, I mean, like the women's match that closed the show, and we'll talk more about that later, I'm sure. It wasn't like the greatest match I've ever seen in my life, but like people were more interested in Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch than just about any feud they're going to be able to pull out in just the normal storytelling. So you know, we'll see. I mean, there there might be. I mean, there you know there might be the crossover as far as call ups go. I mean, I think that they'll probably keep the status quo for a while, and if anything, we'll see called downs like with Finn. Although I think that he was the he was sort of like the big totem that they wanted, but I think in, at the end of the day, they're going to be inevitable. 
I just think that Fo- you know the power that Fox and 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 kind of by, pro- I mean, and, and and by as a result of Fox's power, you the USA Network, NBC Universal have is. Um, to, you know, to to to, and their desire to keep ratings high on their respective Raw and SmackDown shows or SmackDown and Raw shows. I I think it's just that's going to be the force that's inevitable, and you know, I think that they'll be able to make a, co- a coherent argument to keep a champion on the show. You know, let's keep Finn De- Balor down there to to boost ratings, or you know, let's you know, we we've we've decided that. Johnny Gargano is a permanent NXT guy. I mean, there'll be some things that I'm sure that'll be hard and fast, but at the same time, it's like if somebody's really over, you know, it's going to be a moment where they'll bring them up. I mean, listen, obviously, obviously there was a big, the, the, there's a really important, one of the really important parts of, of the Survivor Series was to make NXT look really good, right? I mean, we know that Vince was in on this plan. That said, Vince doesn't put Keith Lee in that spot with Roman Reigns. Because uh, of all the people to do it on the roster, Keith Lee is not a top guy and not you know one of the top three guys, five guys in NXT right now. Vince doesn't put in, Keith Lee in that in that position without having an eye towards Keith Lee being in like a main event match at WrestleMania. Which, by the way, I've never been happier to agree with Vince McMahon. <laughs> Keith Lee is the greatest wrestler of all time, as previously established on this show. We get a lot of questions and uh, comments about just asking how much did you mark out. <laughs> when, when Keith Lee had his big moment, I, by that point I was already kind of over the shock, or maybe I was in shock. To you the didn't point like him anymore. You're like, eh. yeah. <laughs> oh, this marks. Oh my gosh, I, I was just, <laughs> I was, I had already started my Keith Lee sucks chant. It was really, I, I'm really, I'm very, far, I'm a far ahead of the curve here. Um, the when he was going one on one with Rollins, I mean, because they had this whole thing set up where it was like the NXT had what three people left and Ron SmackDown each had one. Am I is that the is that, is that the way it shook out in that match? But anyway, I thought that the storyline was going to be NXT as the numbers advantage and blah blah blah. And then when all of a sudden it was down to Keith Lee, I was like, what? Like, even <laughs> that was crazy. And then when he went started going off going on with uh with, with Rollins, I was just like, what is happening right now? And then yeah, by the time that it was just down to him and Roman, I was just like, I was. He pinned Rollins, right, Keith Lee? Yeah, yeah, he yeah, took Rollins great, out. Right. I mean, that yeah. was that was. I think that was the highest point. I mean, him yeah, that was going awesome. to going going one on one with with Reigns, you know, was probably more significant in the long run. The handshake or the fist bump at the end was really significant too. Um, but I was just sort of numb at that point. It was so crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy. Speaking of your Keith, Keith Lee, Lee uh, sucks chant, I'm not crazy about. The chant the fans do for him with the Seven Nation Army. Uh, oh yeah, rhythm melody, bask in the glory. Yeah, yeah. It's just that Seven Nation Army is so overdone, and I love that song. But like, yeah, it seems a little bit. It's a little bit shoehorned. <sighs> yeah, um, it's a little much. Come on, guys. Keith yeah, Lee's, and I think, Keith and I Lee's think socks the, is the new chant. I think that. The, <laughs> I think that the new. I mean, I think that the. Um, I think that the Seven Nation Army thing fits really well at an NXT show. And in the main roster, it kind of feels like, I don't know, it just doesn't, it doesn't quite, it doesn't quite match. I don't really know how to put it better than that, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it, hopefully he'll, he'll have some more, he'll have some more opportunities, have some other catchphrases catch on as it were. Um, and that's, you know, that's honestly part of the, the transition process going to the NXT to the main roster. Yeah. Even though NXT is its own little brand now, is it like, 
Like, does anybody care about the the undisputed era's little boom thing when they come to the ring? Except like the the diehard NXT fans. Like, no. And 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 the more that you make it, you raise the barrier of entry for like the average fan. I think it's the tougher it is for some of those acts to catch on. Anyway, Keith Lee is um, the greatest wrestler of all time. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. Uh, well, By the I- way, I will say one more thing about Keith Lee because I don't know if we're going to get back to him. You know, for as much as we complain about uh, some of these indie guys having their move sets sort of, you know, reduced and they're, and they're, you know, kind of being hamstrung by wrestling the WWE style, whatever that is, it's obviously very different than it used to be. But, you know, just the match style, the match layout stuff. Sometimes people come in and they're they were just made for it. And Keith Lee really feels like he was made for it. I mean, he was he he just like there wasn't a second of like him versus Rollins or him versus Reigns where you were like, oh man, I wish he could do fill in the blank or like this doesn't they don't quite jive. Like that it was he it was, it was seamless. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for him. Yeah, somebody wrote um Tavares wrote if the first forty minutes of this podcast aren't about Keith Lee, keep it. Um, <laughs> speaking keep going. of though, like with Keith Lee. What was he doing before this? Like, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page now, but I'm always curious what like side jobs these guys had, which isn't he was a, in he was Wikipedia. a college football player, but not like a yeah, super Texas significant one. Got to be pretty good. I mean, that's D1 Texas A&M. Well, but I don't even think he was like a star. I mean, he was. I mean, he maybe he started, but I don't think he was like a prospect or anything. I could be wrong. I think somebody looked into it, and they're like, he wasn't even quite like, you know. Amazing, like a, a I wonder what position he played, probably like D line or offensive. Yeah, he was on the line for sure, one of the two. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, he's been I don't know what he was doing, he's been making a go of it on the indie scene for a while, pretty... but he's he's not he's not like a lifer like some of these dudes. Do you think he like exercises every day? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, but he just doesn't hit the weight room or anything, like he doesn't have the what he's like, he's his arms are bigger than anybody else in the co- company, yeah, he's almost like a Vince Wilfork type. Yeah, he's just like, just like thick as hell. Yeah, exactly. True. I mean, listen, his there are there are dudes that weigh 150 pounds less than him that sh- whose bodies shake more than him when they jump around. He's like a solid, a solid brick wall. I like him. He's good. Congratulations, Keith Lee. I'm sure, Vince will ruin it somehow. Next question. I mean, this is totally off topic from this weekend but someone did ask what do you think of full gear because we didn't get into it too much last week that full gear was really good i mean it was it was um he said specifically cody versus jericho and omega moxley i think that it's going to be interesting to see in the in the long run how they if they can keep the momentum up and i don't and i, I think that they can but it but they're they're doing a different sort of booking than what we're used to with wwe which is more like territorial era booking i guess like so there i mean not all the territories some, i mean some of the territories didn't have i mean only had big shows a couple times a year even though they had like a monthly they'd have a monthly live show but um but you know i mean it's but it's more of that that vibe where it's like we're building towards a smaller number of big shows but like constantly but the but each show you know it's we're not pretending that every show is wrestlemania they're all sort of a, a piece of a bigger thing and it's sort of like the feuds are really meaningful um but it, but it just feels more like, I don't know. I mean, it just feels it just feels more like a like a territorial like like everything's building towards the towards the MSG show or the Cow Palace show or whatever. Right. Um, and if they can keep every month feel or every not every month every event feeling significant in the same way, it's going to be really impressive. That said, um, the Cody match I think was a was a big the Cody Jericho match was a perfect match for. Kind of what they're trying to do, um, 
both of them came out looking good and Cody got himself removed from the main event scene and straight into another feud. I mean, Cody's Cody has been, you know, basically all of his storylines are being written on pay-per-views, you know? I mean, he just goes from one feud to the next and I think that's a really cool way of telling stories. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't a match of the year or anything like that, but it's, you know, it was a good match and um and you know, it, it helps the company. It helps the it helps the image of AEW for those guys to be to you know, be going at it at a big show. Omega Moxley was just wild. I mean, wild. I, I talked about it some last week, but it was it was it was a really really good match. But I'm I'm actually a little bit on the Meltzer side on this one. Like, it was a really good match that's really hard to watch. I think in the time between, sort of, the Attitude Era prior to that, or sort of the the indie death match, the J- Japanese death match. You know, in the in the time between when I was like when we as wrestling fans were super into that stuff and now I have just become increasingly squeamish. I think most of it's because it's like, it's one thing to watch something like that live and it's another thing to like seek it out. It's like faces of death or something. Like I'm going to go on YouTube. It's like, no, I'm de- like that. That like just is disgusting. Even like the plan stuff, even like the crazy, like Guerrero blade jobs and whatever. Ugh. I can't watch that stuff. So to like to sit down and watch it, knowing what they're about to do, setting up for spots. It's just like, it's, you know, it's it's a little bit eerie, but um, it was a fantastic match. I mean, they it was a really really well worked match, and they they told a really good story. And um, is that real glass? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know if they used like some sort of like sugar. I know, glass but stuff, I don't know how how else they would do it though. It's I was just, at a I was at a uh, Lucha Underground show where I guess NXT's current I mean currently known as Swerve Scott in NXT, and who is he wrestling? So him and somebody else just like went through like a like triple layer of plate glass right next to me, and I swear like blood splattered up onto my face. <laughs> that awesome. was terrible. <laughs> but that was another one, and actually reminded me a little bit of War Games, where like the set, you know, all of a sudden there's like you realize there's two tables set up, and the two main guys are climbing to the top of the cage in War Games, and you're like, oh shit, like this is going to be terrible. That moment of hesitation, and that mm-hmm. you saw this a lot in Moxley Omega too, where like the when you see what they're setting up. You're just like, oh my god, it's oh like my god. But so anyway, the, the, to answer your question, yes, they really do use real glass. I mean, most of it's just knowing how to, knowing how to work on. It. I mean, dude, I mean, I wouldn't go. I don't care how much how you know well trained I was in the art of taking bumps. I'm not gonna fall backwards onto thumbtacks or take a staple right. gun to the head, or yeah. you know whatever else. Even if you assured me that it would be fine, right? Um, everything. I mean, this is they're just they're a different sort of human beings than you or I. Yeah. To transition this back to this weekend with WWE and NXT. So the NXT push over the weekend, you think that correlates like with the AEW Wednesday Night Wars, correct? Yeah. Like they yeah. Would, they probably wouldn't have went over as much had there not been AEW on Wednesday nights. I so mean, you it's think they're... a little bit arbitrary, right? I mean, in the years past, it's like they they sort of like half-assed whatever the fallout is. It's like mm-hmm. They book it for the night and then afterwards it's just like... yeah. But I think numbers it makes, wise, it makes a lot of booking sense. It makes a with numbers what ratings like, wise, yeah, I mean? ratings wise. I mean, I think NXT is going to huge this week. Yeah, I mean they were big. They they won the they won the week last week. Um, or they won the night last week, I should say. Listen, it makes a whole lot of sense. What they did with Rollins on Monday night, coming out and, and kind of turning heel and, and lecturing the the Raw roster, was a great fallout from it. And maybe that was part of the plan. But, but the deal is like. If if you lose, if your show loses, then you can do that. You can have the general manager come out and like berate the, you know, and like 
kind of heal off on everybody. You can do a lot of things. It's really, there's not a lot of meaning in winning Survivor Series, right? Because mm-hmm. what is, if Raw wins or SmackDown wins, then like what? The, guy, the guys will have to go back to fighting each other anyway. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like you could have, it's not like if SmackDown won, then Friday night would just be like a party with cake and wine. You know, I mean, it would, <laughs> they still have to have a wrestling show. Pizza? So, yeah, well, pizza maybe. <laughs> um, so, but but for NXT, it makes a whole lot of sense, right? Because there is a sort of internal pride, and like fans can take pride and and, and everything. So, um, it make it, it is it is certainly more of a, you know, us or us versus them brand just inherently, and it makes so it makes more sense for them to win. But also, as far as like mainstream WWE viewers, even people who just watch like the big four classic pay per views, Survivor Series being one of them, if they just happen to tune in, I mean, they're getting turned on to so many NXT guys now. Totally it's smart, totally. really smart. No, it's it's really good. I mean, and, and to see, I mean, the the crew that was out there, I thought it was really really interesting that Punishment Martina, or sorry, that Damian Priest was on the team. Um, I think just he's a he's an interesting visual, but they picked him instead of. Yeah, it wasn't um, crazy about him. Di, they picked him instead of Dijakovic, which is just sort of interesting. But the yeah, that wasn't crazy about that guy either. But regardless. I mean, they need to. I mean, they had to have big guys out there. Yeah. Know? I mean. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that though. Yeah, you're right. And how tall are and, those guys? Like six three. Who Dijakovic and yeah, Priest? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, they're booked. They're they're yeah. they're listed at six five or something like that, yeah. which means they're probably like my size. Right. But the there was a moment I got to tell you. You remember how many times we've talked about on this show and on back on Cheap Heat, we talked about the my Randy Orton rule, where like mm-hmm. everybody they got has a lot to get, of tweets and, about it. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, this was actually a night where like every up and comer was actually in, like everybody on the roster was in the ring with Randy Orton. Randy yep. Orton, if you watch Monday Night Raw, Randy Orton is legitimately like one of the biggest guys on the roster now. Like he's proportionally Andre the Giant compared to everybody else who's wrestling. He went like nose to nose with Drew McIntyre and was like, no, I'm bigger than you. And you're like, oh, wait, he kind of he might be like and Drew McIntyre is a giant. You know, yeah. um, it's it's really wild. But. I, there was a moment where I during no, no it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't on Sunday but like during one of the invasion moments in the previous week where Keith Lee was like coming in I was just like are we sure Keith Lee is actually tall like are we, <laughs> you know like I, you never see them you know compared to anybody else except in this kind of closed universe of NXT and BWG and everything and um, I was worried for a second but Keith Lee is just so wide that it doesn't even matter and he is tall so yeah he gave me a little King Hippo vibe. Remember from Mike Tyson? Like if he had like the the X on his belly, should, yeah. he should go with that. Um, I was going to say also, oh, about like the NXT call-ups like changing and everything. I feel like with Finn Balor going down and then Kevin Owens also being in NXT on, what was that, Saturday night? That run Friday or Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. I watched it Sunday. So um, I feel like that can happen a lot more now. Like they kind of like open that door where it's not like I mean I hope I hope not they like do. a demotion. No, no, I hope like they better. do. I hope there's a lot. I hope there's a lot more movement between because it's like it's fine to have these separate rosters and probably better than anything to have those separate rosters. But man, that I mean, I think you can tell better stories with a smaller group of people, and yeah. you can and you're forced to sort of be more creative, and it's and it's very interesting. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of cool upside to it. It's like again, like a territorial system where like man. You know, I'll say I've said it a million times. I grew up watching Memphis wrestling and I love Memphis wrestling. And I go back and watch it now and I'm like, dude, they had like six people on the roster. <laughs> it was like it was like six dudes. Three of them were related. No, it was not really that. But like but it was three like, masks. Very, they like yeah, there, oh, yeah. It would be just like like, you know, Soul Train Jones, who's now 
no Virgil, but like Soul Train Jones would have a match and there'd be that conspicuously Soul Train Jones looking guy jobbing out like two matches before or whatever, you know, with a match. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but it was a really small roster supplemented by jobbers and by, you know, the temp, the temps basically, you know, it'd be just like so-and-so has come in from Florida or whatever, or like someone's come in from New York to work a little angle or, and sometimes they're just on like prepackaged videos. But the whole point is you would get so excited you know, I love Bill Dundee. I love Dutch Mantel. Obviously, love Jerry Lawler back in the day. But you would get so excited when just anybody, when like Nick Bockwinkle would show up, you know, and 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 just because it would be like, whoa, this is, a, this is a different guy, or just whoever they were feuding. If they, well, sometimes they'd feud Lawler against just some like legit no names guys who would go on to something else. But when like an established wrestler from Florida, from Texas, or whatever came in, you were just like, hell yeah, like this. Is, and especially if you'd seen them before on ESPN or something. But so they have the ability to do that with the brands now. I hope they keep the brands pretty separate, but I hope they don't have any stupid rules where it's like, we're not going to bring in Matt Riddle to feud with AJ Styles. I mean, because that would be really cool. Just imagine the excitement. If, if we go four months or three months without any kind of crossover and then suddenly like an NXT guy answers a challenge on one of the other shows, like that'll be awesome. Yeah. Jay Garcia asked, with NXT clearly established as the dominant women's brand, do you think there will be more invasion angles or will everything go back to the status quo from a few months ago? Yeah, they're going to have to figure that out. That was the coolest thing about TakeOver. And I, and I thought a really shitty, really shitty decision. And I mean, you know, it's, there's some inevitability to it, but it was really shitty for them to put the tags on the, the tag matches on the pre-show. And um, just because the as cool as it is to see all your favorite male wrestlers in this big Survivor Series match, the coolest thing, I mean, not the coolest thing, but the highest upside portion of the show compared to the norm are the tag matches and the women's matches because suddenly you have, like, all-star matches. You can have an all-star four-on-four match on Raw or SmackDown between men any night of the week, right? Or any week of the month, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but to have three wrestlers as high value as, as, as the three that close the show, whatever you think of the match is a really, really cool. It was a really, really cool thing. That's only going to be available on these super possible on these really big shows and the tag matches too. Um, I hope they're, I hope they do some more crossover on that. I mean, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a necessity moving forward, but NXT is really is the established brand. I was talking to somebody at Fox before the draft and, um, you know, talking about just very vaguely about who they were going to, who they were going to take this. I don't think this, this was a person was not in a decision-making capability, someone who was like in the loop. But I was like, you know, there's all this talk about, you know, in the early days between who you would take, I mean, if you would take Charlotte or Becky Lynch, um, it ended up, they were both in the same show because of some, you know, just interesting, well, mostly like relationship based issues and some other like weird things. But, um, but that seemed like the real, like a choice. Everybody thought that. That was the choice that somebody had to make. And I remember early on, I was just like, man, I don't know. Like, I would almost pass on both of them or give both of them over to Raw if I could have, if I could just say, give me every, every woman on the NXT roster and NXT UK. Because I feel like there's so much upside down there. And clearly this week, dude, if you could, I mean, you have Becky Lynch and Charlotte on Raw. You have you know, Sasha Banks and Bailey on SmackDown. I'm not sure that like, even with those setups, there there aren't some people, like really smart people that wouldn't take Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai if you just want to go two for two over both those sets. And I know that's like whack, that's like insane of me to say, but wow, I mean, there's a lot of talent down there. Yeah. Especially if you put in 
all the other people that they have. I mean, it's there's just it's it's pretty incredible. Tony Storm. I mean, just it's it's nuts. We got a couple questions related to this. This one comes from Dude Man Bro. Love Dude Man Bro. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts on the reported Morrow Graves situation? I thought Morrow did an outstanding job at War Games for what it's worth, especially on the KO return. Oh. Listen, I don't know. I mean, I think that um, it's a really interesting situation. What to say? I don't, I mean, I don't think, I, I feel like every time, every every person I've read with like a vocal opinion on this, I kind of wince at. Um, I think, you know, obviously, you don't need to be calling out your coworkers on Twitter. Now, you can make the case that it was done in the spirit of fun or it was a joke. Who knows? I'm not sure that, I mean, obviously, you don't want to. Is he working wanna, heel too? Well, yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can sort of justify Spin it. it. Now, yeah. whether or not you should steer clear of somebody who has, you know, experienced trauma related to such things in the past, I mean, I think that's a legitimate question. I don't know if that means that, like, you know, working heel that, that kid gloves. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if you. you yeah. I mean, but that said, once it's clear that 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 you know you've hit a nerve, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that doubling down on it just to, like defend yourself because for whatever your justification was. I mean, that's, that's obviously wrong. And I, I think just that like more than anything, Corey's reaction, the Corey's re behavior since that tweet has been more damning almost than the, than the tweet itself. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, they're both incredibly talented guys and the kind of the, I mean, this is so. This is just a fanboy in me, and it's really secondary to anything, any anything significant that Morrow's going through. But like, it sucks that if I, it sucks to imagine that they'll never be in a booth together. You know, I mean, that like I'll never get to mm -hmm. hear them calling a match if this if this like heat is real. Um, I mean, it would. I don't know. I don't know. You should. He should. He, it, it. It was just a. It's just a bad look all around, and now. You know, it it's they kind of evolved into this thing with Meltzer, just like tisk tisking, tut tutting, you know, with the people on with people like Graves on Twitter, and and justifiably, I mean, Meltzer's in the right on all this stuff. He's obviously very close with Morrow, and and uh, mm -hmm. you know, had the sort of direct line during the previous situation with JBL. Um, but you know, it's also a WWE thing. You know, I mean. It, I mean, independent contractors or not, I mean, Corey's been out there just like running his mouth on Twitter this whole time and no one's thought to step in and take his iPhone away, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. The whole it's it's just it's just a really bad look. I think at the end of the day, though. But at the same time, shouldn't he I, I understand he's got uh that like some type of issues, but I mean it's just words. Like, come on, man. Yeah, no, I think that that's all true. I, I you but know I think that's that, like part of it. I'm not like, I'm not for cyberbullying or anything, but at the same time, it's just like, come on, toughen up a little bit. Sure. Yeah. No. I. I think. I. I mean. I. I don't. And there might be a. There might be a degree to which we've kind of overblown it too. I think it's really easy to. Um, I think. I. What's interesting to me is that the sort of tenor of fans has been. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of fans out there that are like, get a thicker skin or get find a new line of work. But the vast majority of fans are, are pro Morrow to like an extreme degree in in mm -hmm. a way that I, I feel like they weren't when Morrow had his thing with JBL and left WWE for a while. Um, 
So that's sort of interesting, and in, in some ways, it's really reassuring. But I do, I just think that. Do you think the fans would react the same way if this was Roman Reigns, like getting rid of his Twitter for because people were mean to him? Well, was, I mean, Roman Reigns doesn't have like a, a documented history of, of, you know. I know, but uh, even if he did, I just feel like yeah, I mean, more certainly more a sympathetic figure. Sure, sure, and it's all you know. I mean, they're. Yeah, I mean, there's listen. There's there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I just I just feel like as even even on the worst, if you if you assume the worst, I don't even know what that would be. But assuming the worst, if you assume the worst, you know, negative motives and everything else to Corey Graves, this doesn't feel like a fireable offense or even a particularly like no. punishable offense. It feels more like, hey, l- listen, this is the rule going forward. Yeah, assuming he didn't, yeah, assuming he didn't, assuming he didn't break an established ru- rule, right. Um, and then Morrow, you know, need, I mean, they need to, I mean, they, it's WWE that needs to support Morrow. Right. You know, I mean, Corey Graves morally should apologize and, and figure out a way to move past this because regardless of whether or not you think that he talked too much, Morrow talked too much during takeover, it's like, like factually you are incorrect if you believe that he's bad at his job, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's WWE's job to, I mean, they, they, they have to, they have to you know, do the work of, of handling this. Right. Um, Did you notice at Survivor Series, Jerry Lawler giving Nigel McGuinness crap? No, what did he say? Like, he kept telling him, he's like, all right, calm down. Like, this guy's eyeballs are going to pop out of his head or something like that when Nigel's, like, all excited. And I was like, sorry, I really just like this. And I was wondering if they kind oh, of yeah, played I that a couple up on of moments purpose. Like because at first I thought it was kind of awkward, but I didn't know about the Corey Graves thing. And now thinking back, I'm like, I wonder if they kind of played that up to, you know, kind of take heat off it or something. I don't know. I don't know. Jared Lawler, Lawler, really Lawler seems does like that he's, anyway. He's out there freelancing. It's like anytime. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just go. He he just will make a crack about whatever that he. I mean, it's his. I don't. I don't. I think the hardest thing about modern Lawler is like I don't quite understand the point of view. But that's not yeah. the hardest thing. But that is a hard thing. Like I don't know what the gimmick is. You know, it was it, right. It, at least there was a straight line when he was just talking about puppies and shit back in the day. You like you understood what what his motivations yeah. were. Oh yeah. Now I'm not quite sure. Although, and every time he like tries to get a one liner off, you're kind of like waiting to see if whatever the second half like if is the punchline going to be a fireball offense. You know, <laughs> like it's sort of interesting. What was it? He had a line about Charlotte about Ric Flair last night. Did you watch Raw? Did you, did you I see did not it? see Raw. No. There was there was one where he got off a he got off the first part of a of a of a joke and he knew it was a joke because he got cut off and he was like no no I'll get back to that. something was happening on screen he was like no I'll get back to it I'll I'll, I'll talk about it later just said it straight up mm-hmm. and then he was like yeah last night you know Charlotte did so well that I mean during during the main event match like her dad Ric Flair was was you know looking down on her and <laughs> and and they were just like uh. Uh, you know, Rick's not dead, which it, it, it was, and then he was like, "No, no, I just mean he's really condescending." Like that was the joke. Nice. And I was just like, "What a weird joke to make about Ric Flair's mortality after like he's literally almost died in recent memory, coming from Corey- someone who also almost died in recent memory." I mean, the <laughs> yeah, whole thing really. was just so bizarre. Corey Graves um, tweet about that. Well, I mean, could it have been possible? I mean, I think it's totally feasible that, that Lawler was referring to that. But I think it was also possible that he's like sitting next to Nigel McGuinness, who he's probably never heard of, and he's like, "Who is this dude, and why is he?" You know. Like, <laughs> you know. So anyway, I mean, there could be a lot going on. Yeah. Another question from Dude Man Bro that we got from a lot of people also was, "What's your take on the lighting for the Fiend matches? Seems like a love hate thing by the masses." It's terrible. Terrible. You hate it. I mean. <sighs> 
I think there's probably a good idea behind it and there's probably and there's you know there is some cool aspect to it but it's just like I wonder if it hurts your eyes have you seen it in person it's be weird no I've seen photos and videos of it in person and it's just really you can't see anything in person and maybe they've worked on that but it's like all you're seeing and the first time they did it was in Hell in a Cell and between the cage and the lighting, if you were like beyond like the fifth row, you couldn't see a thing. Yeah, that was a disaster. I don't know why. At the end of the day, I mean, wrestling is produced for the masses, for millions of people to watch all over TV. That's what Fox and NBC Universal are paying for. But it's a live event, right? I mean, that's that's how you that's how I mean, you're you're playing to the crowd, and I don't know how you just would why you would jeopardize giving the crowd a good show. But anyway, I mean, it's. I mean, I I don't know. But you think the, the crowd's more important than the TV audience? No, I think it used to be like that. Back well, in it's the more day. important. It's more important if the fan if, if if the live crowd tunes out or starts booing, then yeah. that, that affects everything. That's what happened during Hell in a Cell. I just don't know. I I don't even enjoy watching it that much. You know, it's like it'd be cool if that no, was like, like bothers my eyes. Yeah. If it if if it went red during when he like did Sister Abigail or something, you oh, know, like if there was a move. Right, but but then again, you're in this like weird like kayfabe post kayfabe world where it's like I say over and over again, no matter what the gimmick is, at the end of the day, you have to be able to explain why this person wants to be a professional fighter. Like this, mm-hmm. per- like we have to be able to understand that this character has chosen to pursue a life of combat, and so it doesn't make sense for like your garbage man to be a you know a wrestling character anymore, unless he's like a garbage like I, I left the garbage world behind to pursue my dream of fighting. That's fine, but Keith Lee. Exactly. The point of <laughs> the the point I'm trying to make is what is the kayfabe like or the, the the non-kayfabe explanation or even the kayfabe explanation for why the lights go red? Yeah. Is it because Bray Wyatt has a friend in the production truck? I mean, is it is it because he's he he has so much sweat sway backstage that he gets what he wants? I just don't I don't I don't quite understand. Like I I get like it makes some amount of sense you could gimmick a you know some pyro or like a you know when Kane would make the lightning crash down like even that you could be like yeah, he. This is a wrestler who has a, an act, you know, and he does a thing. But like, I just don't get it. I don't get the red lights. It doesn't make any sense. And listen, it was shitty when Sin Cara did the purple lights or the blue lights or whatever the hell it was. And this is, I mean, it's it's a cool visual. I get it. It's a cool visual. But a cool visual. I know that I've said a million times that they built that almost everything that happens is, exists more for promo packages after the fact than for the actual moment. But like, you got to sit through the match, and the, and even if it looks cool in clips, it's not cool to watch. Right. Yeah, in clips, they can do that in post anyway. I was thinking, yeah, it's a lot like Kane. Like, you somehow got it from Kane. That could be some type of storyline, but I don't know. It's kind of stupid anyway. By the way, if I if you're smart, you would just dress in all in like an all red bodysuit with mm-hmm. like no other colors and a mask. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then like the fiend couldn't find you. That's good. Jay Garcia asked, how do you think Fox execs feel about paying a billion dollars for the old Wednesday night? brand when the new Wednesday night brand went over so hard. I think that's really interesting. I don't think there's any accident that Roman Reigns took home the big win in the what's nominally the big match. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I like I have I know, you know, I know some people who know this stuff, but I don't know the answer to to how they make these decisions. I think it must it I mean, I think for the most part, you know, they probably get one ask Fox and NBC Universal be like, "Hey, can you just make sure that so and so happens?" Um, can you make sure that Becky Lynch closes the show? Can you make sure that Roman Reigns wins his match? And then everything else is like, we'll figure, you know, WWE is like, we'll handle the rest. Right. Uh, are they excited about it? I'm not sure that it matters that much. Like I said, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, uh, 
I mean, it would be, you could send out a press release or have a little like rah rah at the beginning, but in terms of making Friday Night SmackDown a good show, I don't think it really there's any, a, whole, a whole lot of benefit in like yay we won Survivor Series. It's like now we right. fi- I mean the the real celebration should be now we have our own show finally we're done with Saudi we're done with Survivor Series let's put together some good TV. I mean that should be what they're focusing mm-hmm. on. Do you think it hurt Raw at all? Uh, no, I think I mean I think Raw was in a position of, of potentially losing a whole lot, and I think that 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 last night's Monday Night Raw was an incredible victory because of that. They they did a great job. Okay, James Cuffle Jr. asks, "Who's trending up the most after this weekend, and also who might have been hurt or overlooked?" Ooh, trending up the most, obviously Keith Lee, obviously Rhea Ripley, um, you know Becky Lynch, Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins, even you know, they maintained their spots, um, and that's a po- you know, and you know, it, it maybe you know a, a slight tick upward, but you know, they they did it. Um, the Fiend, I think, probably in the same boat, treading water in a good way. Oh, Adam Cole, I mean, obviously, I mean, it, it's weird. It's weird. He had a big match on the main show, and obviously, main evented the night before, or not main evented, but was in the huge War Games match the night before. Um, but the, his week was just ridiculous. When he, I mean, this the this last stretch in between, like the, the nights that he's had on TV, but also on in War Games and and on the on the main roster. I mean, he closed he, at the he he went he came off the top of the cage and went through a table back first mm-hmm. At, mm-hmm. At, at on Saturday night, and then just wrestled a match against a great match against Pete Dunne um, on Sunday. I mean, he had a leg, he's had a legendary what 10 days or whatever it was and and he's, he's awesome and, man i mean just incredible stuff incredible stuff i was very skeptical about him and the undisputed era in general kind of transitioning to the main roster and then now even though it's not the main roster sort of transitioning the mainstream but they did a really the wwe to their credit did a very very good job with him you know there mm-hmm. is like this was a breakthrough huge weekend and to be really straight about it, like there was not a single moment during this weekend where I was like, man, Adam Cole looks short. <laughs> you know, it was just like, holy shit, look at this. Like, look, this is one of the best wrestlers in the world, which is not something even in his at his peak you would ever say about Adam Cole. Not that he's yeah. not amongst the best wrestlers in the world, but there's never been a moment where you're like, yes, he is definitely better than Gargano or Ciampa or like whatever, you know, or or mm-hmm. even back on the indies, he's better than than kevin owens or the bucks or you know whatever i mean like he's he's amongst the best but like he's just incredible he had he had at a weekend that we will be watching wwe specials about in 10 years daniel bryan by the way is an interesting trending down as i don't know if there's anybody else Rey mysterio um i thought had a really good night and and uh, had a big bounce back from his loss on monday obviously kind of think they could have afforded to let him win that match with the help of his son that's at the survivor series win the title yeah I don't think there would. I think that's one that like that's a, that's a loss that Brock could have totally taken and and it not have been a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked but, him kicking out with both of them on him though. It was good. Yeah, that was it, that was a really <laughs> cool moment. The, and um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Uh, Keith Lee. Um, you know, Matt Riddle had a good moment. Walter, who took a lot of who, a lot of people were shitting on the way that they they treat they they handled him. Eliminated Walter. Yeah. Yeah, but he's but he's you know he had a good moment there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought that that was fine. You know, the, show, the, the point of the show was obviously not to make NXT UK look good because that's not on the USA network. Um, so he and he and Tony Storm kind of got the short end of it. 
Um, but they did, but you know, they still made it seem like he was a thing. I guess it would have been a lot more significant if like Drew McIntyre hadn't been demeaned to the point that he to the place where he is now. But I thought it was a cool. I thought it was a cool look for what yeah. it was. And the slaps um, had to hurt. His chest was like, oh my god. Oh my yeah. god! On Raw, I, I wonder if like three into those, he's like, "Oh, this is a bad idea." On Raw, Almost. they had a match between McIntyre and Randy Orton, or it was a four-way match: Randy, uh, McIntyre, Orton, uh, Ricochet, and uh, Mysterio for a number one contender match against AJ Styles. That Mysterio won, and then he beat AJ Styles for the U.S. title. But there was a point in the match when when McIntyre and Orton were exchanging chops, oh. and uh, McIntyre hit Randy so hard that Randy's reaction, which is you know, he kind of broke kayfabe, but it was perfect. Is that he, he instead of clutching his chest, he like put his finger in his ear and twisted it, like he like couldn't hear right anymore because like it was mm-hmm. like a sonic boom of a of a chop. <laughs> That's funny. And then so then they went on from there, and then there's some point where you can just Randy gets him in the corner and roughs him up, whatever. And then he goes back. They he kind of walks backwards, and he just like looks at his chest and looks at the referee, and you can see on the show him just being like, "What the fuck." Or like holy yeah. shit! I think he just—I think you can literally see him say "holy shit" to the referee, pointing at this red mark on the side of his welt. chest. Oh. And uh, and then when he gets bumped out of the ring a few minutes later, instead of like taking the bump, he just immediately starts looking at his pec again. He's just like, "What in the hell has happened to me?" <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, oh man, those it was a hurt. it was a good chop. There's a lot of good chops this weekend. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I thought that you know, a lot of a lot of people a lot of people came out looking good. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, it, it was a, it was a, I think overall a really well booked weekend. What do you think of the new IC belt? I think it's terrible, but I think every belt's terrible when they change it. I, don't, I mean, it looks like a really. I liked it. I just love the old IC belt. I don't really know. Yeah, what the I problem love the old is. one too. But this I don't one looks like, like the a big WWE logo ones, so I don't like those. I mean, I don't love those either. But it's you know, and so much as this is getting away from that kind of. I know it just looks weird. It looks like a. Well, Andrew Clark asked, do you think the new Intercontinental belt was created because the throwback white belt had ties to Cody Rhodes? No, I mean, I think more that it had, had ties to the past and we're just going to you know, keep moving forward and forward and forward. It does just sort of, it feels like a... I think it's an interesting thought, though. Yeah, it has a look, kind of, certainly. Yeah. I don't really know. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a, the title belts are an always evolving thing. WWE is sort of at the forefront. They're giving away WWE championship belts on like Fox's Thanksgiving football game. Like the winning nice. team gets a WWE belt that's like special Thanksgiving belt. So that's anyway, that's cool. Lil Benny Boy asks, which show did you enjoy most? Survivor Series, Takeover, or Full Gear? Oh man, that's so hard. Let's see. I probably enjoy this is really hard. I mean, I think sitting there and watching it, I feel like I would probably say take over. That's what I'd say. But too. it's so up my alley, and I don't think that there's a, with the exception so of like good. Adam Cole going off the top. I don't know that there was like, wow, the women's match is pretty cool too. But it's not like this is like the greatest takeover I've ever seen. I don't know that I'm gonna. I'm not gonna remember, you know, Matt Riddle versus Finn Balor. There, I mean, not this iteration of it. Probably a year from now. Um, I think there's probably more to. There's more like stuff that I'll go back to in the other two shows or the more stuff I'll go back to in AEW and more stuff I'll remember in Survivor Series. But who knows? Who knows? I mean, it, it's they were all really, really good. We are spoiled right now. Can I, I could go off the script and say uh, the, the my favorite show it was none of the above. It was Stone Cold Steve Austin interviewing The Undertaker. That was oh, yeah. just, 
just floored. I mean, it was insane. Phenomenal. Just incredible. Undertaker for as like totally out of kayfabe. The, what's wild is that you it's realize weird even just seeing him talk like in that voice. Yeah, it's like crazy, it's, and it, wearing the camo and everything. It's like, yeah, with his ponytail coming out the back. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's amazing how like as much as we've all been waiting for this, it's like there. I'm so glad it happened, and you almost feel this moment mm-hmm. of loss in real time because not only do you, had we not have we not gotten to hear him talk all these years, but like you realize that he has just so much such a rich rich tapestry of like stories to tell mm-hmm. he remember he has such a great memory and so cool reference that well yeah so cool reference that throughout the night i mean throughout the interview where he was like you remember better than me you tell the story like so yeah. said, you know whatever and that's why that story about about that you just mentioned about um, his match versus brock was so significant because he didn't remember a thing about it and mm-hmm. like that match was crazy i was there for it live i mean it was inc- incredibly important in wrestling history obviously and blah 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 and hearing him talk about what he went through was like that it was almost a better story than the match right than yeah. whatever they told in the ring like the oh, yeah. the narrative of what he went through that whole mm-hmm. day and forgetting and how he woke up i mean that is a that's a story and that's something with the undertaker we don't really get if that had happened to daniel bryan which it did yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, which is a similar thing. I mean, the head injuries or whatever. But like, if that had happened to, you know, Kevin Owens, then that would turn into part of Kevin Owens' story because that's like the wrestling right. world we live in now. And the fact that like we didn't even Undertaker's still so old school that that can happen, and we learn about it like that, and we learn about it firsthand. Um, there's just it's just so I mean, just so incredible. But and even the stuff I mean, but like even the stuff at the end where he was like they're talking about times that people tried to make the Undertaker cut up, you know, like in the ring, mm-hmm. like that was. Like, that's so revealing, too. I mean, that's more revealing than, like, learning, you know, when somebody was shooting on each other, you know? I mean, just, like, there's so much stuff that we talk about and, like, the real stuff that these guys talk about is... And just seeing pictures and when they both grin, you know, and smile. Uh Or, yeah, laughing. Or him, like, doing a Vince voice or just impressions of people Mm -hmm. and stuff. They both wave It's so crazy that we've never seen The Undertaker, like, kind of out of kayfabe to do that. I was When I was watching, I was thinking in real time, like, man, this is, like, forever going to change the way I think of this guy. Yeah, in a good way. Like he's the yeah. Oh, absolutely. But it's so weird to think that it's been you know thirty years of seeing this guy that I've never seen him like this. It's amazing how much that affects. I mean, it's hard. It's it's it, it changes the way that you. I mean, listen. Think about the way that you watch like a Mick Foley match now compared to the way you were watching it as a kid, or you know, whenever like during the Attitude Era, where obviously there was a lot of different personalities that he went through and all that kind of stuff. But like the Hell in a Cell, Mick Foley was like a was a mysterious villain you know and now and it's impossible to watch Mick Foley you know Mankind era Mick Foley without thinking of stand-up comic Mick Foley in you know in in the in his current iteration it it just changes the way that you that you watch and you know we're gonna it's gonna be that way about The Undertaker although The Undertaker though completely out of character was more sort of consistent and kind of thematically consistent than I would have maybe expected him to be for, for someone completely breaking kayfabe I like that story of him with Dan Spivey when they're fighting the Road Warriors. Oh, yeah. And he's like kicking the crap out of the Road Warriors. And then they he's like up in the locker room or whatever, the dressing room. And he's like, we're just going to fight these guys. I can hear him coming up the stairs. I'm ready. Yeah. First thing they say, I'm just ready to punch Hawk in the face, basically. And then they just come in. It's amazing. The whole thing was awesome. I know. Don't mess with Dan Spivey. Yeah, him also being, uh, who was it? Buzz, who uh, taught him? 
when he first started getting wrestling lessons and he's like in a driveway in the front yard. There's oh, no Buzz Sawyer. Buzz Sawyer. Yeah, yeah, Buzz Sawyer, who's had a little run. I mean, Buzz Sawyer is one of the greats and like, you know, JR will like name check him every episode of his podcast or whatever. But like he's a but he's he's had a little bit of a renaissance because his big his famous match that was lost to history again in the steel cage against Tommy Rich was finally uncovered as like someone found the VHS tape in WWE headquarters or whatever that everyone thought it was lost lost to the history but anyway so Buzz Sawyer is just one of the greats I mean every time there was a while before WWE embraced girth <laughs> which apparently they fully have because everybody on the after Keith Lee's moment uh, at Survivor Series, and then on Monday night when they just decided to have Authors of Pain stop wearing shirts altogether, WWE's fully gone in. I think that, I mean, honestly, if you told me that they, if that Vince realized the biggest difference between what he has and what AEW has is just mass, and that then that's why he just started pushing these just, like, thick dudes, that wouldn't surprise me. But anyway... um, there was a time before WWE fully embraced the girth when all they wanted was like chiseled dudes and whatever, where everybody that came up, every Kevin Owens, Mike Elgin, like every dude on the indie scene who was just like a tough, just thick guy was compared to Buzz Sawyer. That that that's the point of reference for all those dudes. So it's it's good to hear that he was a shady ass creep of a of a <laughs> trainer back in the day too. On Buzz Sawyer's Wikipedia page, the last sentence of his personal life section. Mm-hmm. says, Sawyer was known for his antics both in and out of the ring, including his drug use and fighting with police outside a bar. That's what he was known for. Oh, my gosh. Just in general. It doesn't even say, like, a specific thing. He's just known for fighting with police outside a bar. I would just like to say, speaking of the end of Wikipedia pages, Dangerous Danny Spivey just mentioned mm-hmm. that his, the last line of his is, Spivey is also the ambassador for the breakfast restaurant chain, The Breakfast Station in Florida. Nice. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> the ambassador. <laughs> That's a good gimmick. Somebody should be the ambassador. Has anyone ever been like the, the wrestling ambassador? I know they had the United or what, the League of Nations. That must just be like the, amba- the ambassador. Anyway, go ahead. That's funny. What's the next question? I have a few more minutes. Sweeney Todd asks. Yes. Great musical. How excited are you for your two-day WrestleMania idea? coming true very soon is it coming true i have no idea i don't know this. i didn't i didn't hear that either but maybe it's just so long i, don't I mean know. i guess maybe, NXT maybe because NXT, the they're bleed into each other yeah maybe that's what he meant right no there's a lot of people writing about it now apparently i apparently i made this happen keith lee and two-day wrestlemania i'll take credit for both those chase young no matter what asks how big is batista's oops wrong podcast <laughs> <laughs> tip of the hat yep <laughs> just the tip though uh let's see where's our mass man merch that's a good question i would I, mm-hmm. I should just i just need to design i mean i i have i have the power to do this i haven't even redesigned that i've just redesigned every podcast logo in the network except our own because i just feel self-conscious about it i, I thought you made today. it but yeah i mean i was gonna change yeah, the color or whatever you know and just like yeah. evolve evolve it so i guess i can just make merch happen too what, what would tell me what it's you would wear Hill producer Jim shirt, just like the old Macho Man one. I'm just going to make some really like high quality polo shirts with a little mask man, mask face in the pocket nice. where the IZOD logo goes. Yeah, and I'm just going to wear it every cost. day. I'm going to be like the Jake Hager of, of uh, <laughs> the, the internet. I'm just going to like wear the same, wear these same black polos all the time. Okay. Since the whole point of Survivor Series was to build up NXT as a legit third brand and not developmental, do you think we see NXT matches at future pay-per-views or mainly the big four like WrestleMania? 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I think for right now, the plan is just to do takeovers and maybe appearances at the big four. And frankly, I think it's, I mean, it, with like I said, like I was talking about with, you know, with crossover stuff, I mean, you want to have that, those doors lo- loosely open. I mean, not loosely is not the right word. You want to have it, the, the walls should be mostly firm, but have people, you know, just able to make appearances in other shows for big pops and certain storylines and whatever. And also, dude, we had a draft, like you can make trades, you know? I don't know why specifically I said AJ Styles and Matt Riddle, but like, let's just say that that's like a thing that they wanted to do. AJ Styles is like an open challenge. I beat everybody here, you know, whatever. Matt Riddle shows up and then whoever the authority figure is jumps between them and he's like, no, you don't have a contract to wrestle here. And then, but then in like the intervening weeks, you could just be like, all right, we've agreed to trade, you know, Akira Tozawa for Matt Riddle. And then it feels like a real sports thing. Not, not a hard, not a hard way to book if you know what sports are. Um, but yeah, I, I think that they'll do, I think that it would actually, with the exception of that, it benefits, it actually benefits NXT to just have like one Adam Cole championship match on a big show, like Cole Dunn, like that, like if that that on its own would have made a wrestling fan who would just turned into another show, tuned into a pay-per-view not who doesn't watch NXT, that would make it just be like, what the hell am I missing? You know, <laughs> just like a crazy match. Um, and... You know, they have with Ciampa and Gargano comes back. You know, I mean, there's a lot of potential for matches that just sort of make you double take and be like, what am I watching? Which is really cool. And so I hope I hope they actually kind of do keep it separate. Les James asks, what if it's CM Punk in Rowan's cage? <laughs> well, I like how what's in Rowan's cage has become a big question. <laughs> now that we've resolved, you know, now that we're, we're already knee deep in the, in the, Bobby Lashley, Rusev, Lana storyline. You know, we need a new mystery. Um, it's a, it's very strange. Um, but maybe it'll be something cool. Maybe it'll just be like, like Luke Harper. That's who we need. It's the constant surprise of Luke Harper. Or maybe it'll be some like sewer rats. That's what I saw when I saw him bring it out. The Harlem sewer rats. Yeah, the Harlem sewer rats. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Gobbly gooker. We'll see. I'm glad that they're like. Tr- I mean, listen, raw for. You can say say about it what you will. It's a uh, it's super cool just to see that they like are doing a thing with everybody. Every match that comes out, you're like, oh, they're you know this guy's they're repositioning him. They're they're actually like they're, there's a there was like forward progress in a storyline. Unless you're uh, Jeff, I mean Matt Hardy. Oh. <laughs> um, by the way. I just said gobbledygooker. It reminded me of with this Undertaker thing. I don't want to oh, step on it too much. If you ha- if you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. But yeah, Undertaker worrying about the different gimmicks that he's going to get going into the WWF is hilarious. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Well, that's about all the questions we have. That's it. Pretty much. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna go on a road trip for Thanksgiving. Um, North trip? Carolina. Here I come. Ooh, driving down. Holy crap. Yeah. Is that twelve hours? Yeah. <laughs> Well, according to Waze, which is the greatest, like, like mental, I mean, it's the, it's the greatest, like, way to lie to yourself in the history of, <laughs> of, of travel. According to Waze, it's only, like, nine hours or something like that. So we'll see. Wow. Somewhere between there and, like, the, and whatever the long version is. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it does make you feel better to hit the road and just be like, oh, no, it's only nine hours. It's just, like, two little, we're just going to, we're going to cut it in half and it's going to be two little easy drives. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We have well, kid, we have an eleven year old and a one year old, almost one year old in the car. So, wow. I hope the iPads last. Do you have WWF the music or whatever that CD was called? 
It's like blasting gonna the listen. Rougeau Brothers I mean, we, song the whole time. We could do... I wonder if I'll, I'm sure those are all on Spotify, right? We should do just like guess. They should just quiz me on guess the wrestler theme song. That could be a solid like 45 minutes of the long <laughs> trip. Oh, yeah. Um, we can do that on the show too. If we if it that goes would well, be fun. if it goes well in the car, we'll do it. We'll do it for like the year end episode. That'd be fun. I think I'd do pretty good with those old ones. I yeah, know all those there's too. some of them that are just really weird. You go back and listen like to those. generic. Yeah, it's like Bret Hart's first. Age. You're just like really like that's anyway. Um. Anyway, let's get out of here. Thank you for all of your questions. Um, Jim, thank you for doing this from your bed. And uh, apologies, as always, to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 